Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon, and today I'm really, really excited. I get to welcome one of my favorite people in the industry, uh, somebody I've gotten to, to know a little bit here over the past year or so, uh, Steve Hamry from Lithia. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for the invite. Always a pleasure to work with you, and I'm excited to talk about the things we're going to talk about today. Me too. I, I'm uh, I'm really excited about this. And uh, Steve, why don't you start by kind of giving us an idea of what you do at Lithia? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Steve Hamry. Uh, I've been with Lithia Motors Incorporated for 14 years, and currently I'm the National Auto Technician Recruiting Manager. Um, so I cover pretty much coast to coast. And as of this month, I'll have uh, five other auto tech recruiters working for me to try to kind of stem the uh, the losses of tax and try to, to build up our staffs. And luckily you don't have a lot on your plate, right? Like it's, uh, you <laughs> if you're going to do what I do, you better like some travel. So luckily I do. And, uh, and I actually really enjoy what I'm doing. So it's, it's, it's a good gig. How, uh, how often do you travel? Right now, I travel every week. Believe it or not, I'm 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 usually home for the weekends. Uh, a couple times we'll have acquisitions, and I'm gone over a weekend. But they usually make up for it with a couple days here and there. Hopefully, I'd like to get it down to maybe two weeks a month. That'd be ideal. But uh, with growth and everything else that's going on in our crazy country right now, it's it's every week, and that's just what we got to do to get the job done. Rack up some frequent flyer miles. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So uh, how did you get to this point with Lithia? I mean, Lithia is a big company and um, you're, you know, you're doing so many cool things. And that's really where I wanted to get you on the podcast today. What led you to this point in your life? It's a great question. Kind of a a convoluted and twisted path. Uh, I've always been in customer service, um, always, always been in retail have a passion for cars, but unfortunately, I was born without that gene where mechanics make sense as far as I can actually uh, do the work. So I found a way to get involved, and that was becoming a service writer with Lithia 14 years ago. Uh, grew that into becoming the uh, um, automotive service advisor trainer for all of Lithia stores. And then about uh, seven and a half years ago, we noticed we weren't doing a great job with uh, recruiting technicians, both entry level and uh, experience into our industry. And one of the things we were using is we were kind of just tasking um, HR generalists to go and interview technicians. And while HR journalists are phenomenal people that do a lot for us, most of the time they don't speak the language, they don't have the experience, and a tech sniffs them out fairly quickly and doesn't want to talk. So they proposed uh, to me to kind of be our just single automotive technician recruiter for the country and did that uh, happily and successfully for about five and a half years. And uh, in the last two years, we've grown at such an exponential rate and there's so much need that uh, I begged, pleaded and cried to uh, start my own team. Uh, Started by hiring two more auto tech recruiters on one on the East coast, one on the West coast last year. And this year I'm sort of filling in the pieces. I have a central recruiter. And then I'm helping out with uh, the East Coast with some more recruiting staff there. So we're uh, 
having a lot of fun and uh, and working hard to, uh, like I said, keep some techs in our shops and and uh, help us with expansion. And what are you up to for rooftops now? We're uh, at 216 as of today wow. um, with some more coming. So uh, our our uh, acquisition plan is, is continuing, continuing as scheduled and uh, we'll continue to grow. So like when I, when I opened the show here and said, you didn't have a whole lot going on, that's kind of what I was, <laughs> I just, just a few stores, a couple hundred, like not, 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 not many. Yeah. And you know, and every one of them has the same exact culture, right? So it's really easy to recruit <laughs> for. So I do try to get out there as much as I can and actually meet with our service managers and our general managers and get a kind of a temperature of the culture there so I can sort of fit some candidates in with, with their way of doing business. And, uh, and that helps quite a bit. How important is that piece? And I know it's something that I talk a lot about in the content that we do, but that cultural fit, I think that's something that's, I think it's kind of new to technicians, right? I think we were so used to just, you know, we're going to find that next really talented technician for this location. When did that shift to like, Hey, we got to make sure this person fits in. You know, I, I hate to use, you know, the term millennials like everybody does, but I think that that was a, a good step forward in, in making sure that, that we had some more uh, facets to the way we fit candidates into our, uh, our business. Um, back when I first started as a advisor, you know, I mean, everybody was motivated by money. It was really simple. It was really straightforward. Um, Lithia does a phenomenal job in letting our service managers be entrepreneurs. So while we have 215 locations, we don't have a big Bible that says, hey, this is Lithia's way and you have to do it exactly the same. We really do uh, allow them freedom to uh, kind of take care of businesses as it works for their regions. So in that, um, that sense and, and kind of backing that up, knowing what that culture looks like and feels like and sounds like, um, it's a lot easier for me to fit a candidate that, that maybe is looking for some of those things. And we're using you know, a lot of different uh, incentives than we ever did before. Uh, specialized scheduling, um, you know, having enough time off, uh, all these things that really didn't come into play 10 years ago right. are a huge factor now. And then, you know, really trying to grow our own, um, that's really going to be the most um, important key to, to keeping vocation alive and, and, I, and I think to, to be more successful with retention. Let's talk about that a, a little bit more in depth. Uh, growing your own techs. I think it's from, from as long as I can remember, it's always been kind of a, a popular thing to say, hey, we're going to grow our own techs. But one thing that I've found with a lot of people in the industry is that it's much harder than they anticipate, right? Like it's not like an automatic, like, Hey, I'm just going to get this kid from high school. We're going to, you know, get him in a program and grow him up. How, what is your philosophy on that? And like, how do you even start to approach that? Great question. Um, I think first and foremost is changing some language and changing a language, uh, one word in particular, um, expense and changing that into investment um, and getting a service manager and a general manager to believe that, you know, if they get it, if they get a tech from the start from scratch and get to really train that tech and, and mold that tech, um, you're going to have a lot more luck of retention and loyalty. Um, and it might take some time. Um, if we don't continue to grow our own techs, we're always going to be in a reactive stance. We're always going to be in a 911 emergency 
and that tends to lower our standards in um, what we're looking for. Um, we're, we look for just what's on the paper, you know, a, a master certified tech. Well, yeah, he's got problems with other people. Yeah, he doesn't show up on time, et cetera, et cetera, but we need him right now. Let's plug him in and play. And, and I think that growing our own techs uh, prevents that to some measure, keeps us out of the emergency status. And then uh, we get a better culture. We get people that have been with us from the start that actually can help steer the ship a little bit. Um, we get good managers that way as well, because we're always trying to promote from within and, and grow them up. So I just think that uh, we need to focus on it more. One of the things that we've been trying to do as of late is to have a lot more collaboration between our managers. So we have some managers that are phenomenal mentors that have done it for a long time and have great ideas and try not to let those, those ideas just stay in one shop. You know, we're trying to, to get some more discussion, some more open meetings. And then that's one of the things I also try to do when I'm visiting stores and traveling throughout the country is go, hey, you know, Bill in uh, Great Falls, Montana does this and it works really great. And, and hopefully we can kind of duplicate that more. How, that's th such a fascinating point that you brought up and, and something that I've seen forever, which is the expectations of a, like whether it's a new tech school graduate or, you know, like that, that person that you're bringing in and as that, maybe that starting salary starts to rise a little bit uh, along with everything right now. But when, when you're looking at that, how do you manage those expectations and, and really, I guess, get the, get the service manager in the frame of mind that like, Hey, listen, it's going to take a while. And if you're expecting this person to be a great flat rate tech in a year, you're not, like, it's just not going to happen. You might have the anomaly that does. I've had it once or twice, but it, that's the exception yeah. to the rule, not the rule. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, you know, working on the expectations um, are twofold. So it's the candidate's expectations and then the service manager's uh, expectations. And I'll start with the candidate. Um, vocational schools are kind of all over the board on what they promise and what they preach. And some do a very good job of, of you know, letting that tech know that, uh, it's up to you what you make. It's up to you how far you go. And I think that that's the message that I try to, to preach wherever I go. Some schools do a fairly bad job at that. And, and they have some candidates that have some really unrealistic expectations of what day one looks like as far as pay. Um, I won't let a candidate have that in their mind if I'm going to deliver them to one of our service managers. They have a pretty clear-cut idea of what the process looks like, what the career path looks like. I don't talk too much wage um, with the candidate at the start because having our stores be so um, autonomous and entrepreneurial, it truly is up to the service manager. And our service managers do a good job of looking at each individual candidate and their merits. So you can get two people that come out of a vocational school with very similar resumes, but after an interview and finding out some of their experiences and their abilities, one can be quite a few steps ahead of the other one. Um, and if I can do that, then it certainly is a lot easier for the service manager to have a starting point. Now, as far as the expectations of the service manager, um, kind of like I said before, you know, our service managers that do a really good job with mentoring they're usually always looking for entry-level techs to continually feed their pipeline. And they, they do that as they move others up. And I think once that system's established and the shop's cleaned up a little bit as far as 
you know, being ready to support that. Um, I, I think that their expectations are, are always fairly level. Um, but other ones, uh, it is a, you know, a beg and a plead and, a, and an expl- explanation and counting some fists sometimes to say, hey, you know, this, this is a great candidate with a lot of promise. Um, it can be an excellent candidate for you that will be an excellent tech, but this is going to take some time and some training. So yeah. I... I love that approach. I love that. I love the fact that you take two different approaches there, right? Like one for the student and, and, or the, the new technician, whether they're a student or not, or the, um, you know, the service manager, I, I want to kind of circle back to the, uh, something that I I've been frustrated over for, <laughs> for the course of uh, quite some time now, but is that message between what schools promise and what industry can deliver, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's something where it, I feel like it's an elephant in the room type thing when I go into an advisory board meeting or, you know, like anything <laughs> like that. And I'm like, can we all just sit in a room and talk about this? Like, we know that you need students in these classes and we're willing to help you get those students in these classes, but for the love of God, please do not overpromise them on an industry. And then when we get them into industry, have it not be what they thought it was going to be. Oh man, you, you are preaching to the choir. Um, and I think, you know, we talked um, at a meeting pretty much in depth one time. And, and I remember some of the participants and you were involved in that. We're actually talking about pack meetings and how those should be run. And, and God, I, everything he said, I was, it was George, I believe. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, everything George said, I thought was, was dead, dead center. Um, those pack meetings in some places are basically an excuse to eat pizza. They go over the same thing every time. And some schools actually invite new members all the time, just to sort of give those new members a little pat on the back and Hey, you're, you're doing something big, but nothing comes of them. Um, I've, been unpopular in some of those meetings by, by expressing exactly what you're expressing. And, and, you know, it's, I I think sometimes the schools forget that, that everything that they're promising is something we have to deliver on, but we also have another person and that's the customer and we have to keep cost, you know, at a, at a reasonable rate for that customer. We have to keep the lights on. We have to buy the tools. You know, there's a lot of things that, that a dealership has to do to, uh, to make everybody happy. And uh, yeah, we, uh, some of the, some of the schools really don't do a very good job of being realistic in expectations. And, and I think that's, that's coming to bite them more and more. Well, and I think a lot of it, this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of it just comes down to communication. Right. And when I say that, I think industry, us, we could do a better job at supporting the schools when they are trying to get students in the in the classroom, right? And and helping them with that message to get those high schoolers into tech school programs. And and so that maybe a school doesn't have to, to stretch the truth or do, you know, maybe talk, you know, kind of if we're able to help them fill those seats, hopefully there's not the the need for a, a different message than what reality is. And, and I don't want to say every tech school out there is doing it. I think there's some that have a reputation for doing it. And it's, um, that's the thing that I think we need to work on as a whole is, okay, if that's the reason you, you need to say something that might not be realistic, let's sit down and talk about this because the core of the issue is probably that you're not getting enough enrollment in your program. So let's work together 
you know, let's put our heads together and see what we can do to just fill that program up. And, you know, hopefully then we don't have that issue. Am I off base there? No, I think you're, you're dead center. Um, and one of the things that, that I've done in the past and tried to do as much as I can now, we have another, you know, elephant in the room and that's the current pandemic. You know, that certainly has changed a lot of, of things and, and certainly not made things easier for schools or industry. Yeah. But one of the things that we do is we always offer um, the uh, vocational school recruiters um, a, a home in one of our dealerships to come in and do some of the meetings that they need to do and some of the introductory meetings that we do. And we, we share the mic. So, you know, the school will start with their introduction and talk about what they need to talk to. I'll get up there and really talk about, uh, you know, what, what Lithia looks like and what Lithia wants to do with, for them. And then at the end, the service manager takes the candidates on a tour of the shop. They can see it really. And the key uh, most important part of that is that we invite parents so that parents can see that this isn't a shade tree, you know, run of the mill deal. This is an actual career. And then they can start hearing about where those salaries can end up as long as the student does what they're supposed to do. And that is, you know, be coachable, you know, have a plan and, and show up for the most part. Um, I think one of the, the, you know, the biggest keys to this is um, high schools, um, even starting when I went to high school, which was good Lord, you know, covered wagon days, but you know, <laughs> they started getting away from vocation and we got everybody thinking that, Hey, four-year degree, that's the only way. And I want to tell, I want to preface this by saying, I believe in four-year education for the, for the things that, that are, they're needed for. If they're used correctly, they're, it's a phenomenal thing. I think everybody should get educated, but there's a large portion of our society that that doesn't fit. And because we focused on this portion of our society, our vocational kids have been ignored. They've been ridiculed. They've been um, kind of, you know, their self-esteem's down. You, you can list off a million things. And, and one of the most rewarding things for me is to find someone like that and actually show them the way, watch them start a career and watch them get to a six-figure income. And that's not impossible. That's actually the norm as long as they, they follow it. But key to all of this as well, whether the, uh, the uh, vocational schools not saying the right things, however it works, I always re recruit and interview the candidate. So even schools that maybe aren't doing the right thing as far as the promises, some of them are still doing a really good job at recruiting. And I can find that candidate and just go, there's the spark in the eye. That's the one I want. I, I can erase some of his brainwashing or her brainwashing and get him on the right path. So, I mean, I, as long as you're recruiting the candidate and really searching and doing the vetting interviews that we should be doing, um, we need every source of vocational school uh, students that we can find. 100%. And you nailed it there. I get a lot of people throughout industry that are like, Hey, which, which school's the best, you know, tell me like, don't, you know, you're not going to say this on air, but what, what school's the best. And I'm like, literally don't judge, don't judge the person by their school ever because that I've, I've had texts that, you know, it, it blows my mind how many people will discount somebody because they went to a certain school. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, that's, that's not the right way. Like just yeah. see them, talk to them, get them excited about the industry. And, and at some level you might have to do a little bit more training, but like, that might not be a bad thing either. And, and uh, I, I applaud you for that because that's something that I, 
I get really fired up about, as you can tell. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. that, that, that piece of it is you're interviewing the person, not the school. And Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you, you brought up high schools. You know, that's something that we're shifting focus on and trying to get a lot more presence and, and assistance to high schools. I'm working with some local schools in Southern Oregon and trying to get my recruiters to get out there and work with their local high schools and even high schools far and wide um, to, to shift some focus in, in their thinking and, and to talk to those career counselors and make sure that they're on board with, if you're going to represent your entire student body, you better know that some of them are designated for this and that's what they're supposed to be doing. Um, uh, Jim, the, the, the new uh, owner of Wyotech has, has, has helped with that immensely um, with a, a new program called Love Trades, where they're actually going into elementary schools and they're and they're giving some uh, personality assessments and and finding that some of these kids, if we can start early with kind of taking that gift and 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 making it get better, um, we're going to solve some of these problems that we have in the future, and, and they'll be on the right path that fits them. You know, I, I I'm excited about some of those things. I am too. I think that's a, a great initiative. They profiled me. Uh, which I thought was was really cool and, and kind of weird reading your own profile. But um, but I, I really, really applaud that kind of effort in trying to get, you know, down earlier, get the message out earlier about the opportunities that are here. Because by the time there's, you know, I, I don't see this getting better tomorrow, right? Like it's going to no. take some time. And that's where, you know, hopefully the efforts now will help everybody out five to 10 years down the road. And that's, that's where, you know, it doesn't matter what shop you are, if you're helping be a part of the base foundation of making this better, uh, I think it's better for the entire industry as a whole. Absolutely. And, and much better for those, those, uh, those kids and those students and, and you make, make, maybe make the, the, the swim up the river a little easier for them where they can be, you know, on the right path to start. Um, you know, if you read some of the projections and some of the predictions, it's getting gloomier. It's not getting any brighter. So we all have to jump in now and we all have to start, you know, rowing the same direction. And um, I'm happy to be part of a, of a very large organization that has, you know, some some depth, depth and some width with this. But I, I, I love to have um, people from this industry and people from other industries join together with me. Um, that's one of the things I love about PAC meetings. You know, yes, we might be competing for the same student, but we can all work together. Um, and I've had um, a lot of success in doing that with other recruiters from from other companies and even in other um, parts of this industry. So I, I I think we need to do a better job of of working together on this, and and we all see better outcome. I am. Uh... Have you ever, and I don't know if this is even possible, but have you ever just like grabbed a Porsche and just like taken it out to a high school? And like, hey, you, you can actually work on these things. <laughs> we have taken some pretty nice vehicles to some local uh, career fairs. And, and I love the reaction to that and let them actually get their hands on it. Um, and fortunately, what, what I do, you know, I travel to, to a lot of the, the major vocational schools across the country that have a, um, a national draw and are a destination campus. So um, in, unless I get a Porsche as a rental, um, usually <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a, in the Hyundai Elantra uh, realm, and uh, that doesn't seem to draw a crowd. So, so we do our best, you know, we do our best to do that whenever we can. And, and, and we've done it a lot with high schools, and that's really where you kind of get the fire in the eyes and kind of get them looking. And truly, you know, 
one thing that we need to really express and the things that I talk to parents about is this, is we don't call them mechanics anymore. And we don't do that for a reason. They're technicians. Um, the amount of technology in a vehicle, the amount of electronics, the amount of computer work, uh, these, these guys and gals need to know their stuff. And, and, and they're, they're a lot more skilled than they ever were before. Um, the issues of drivability now are a huge factor in repairing automobiles and, and I was at a, one of our biggest Honda stores in New Jersey about a year ago, and I was amazed at how many technicians were walking around without a speck of dirt on them. And they right. were working, but uh, it was it was interface and it was programming and it was that sort of thing. And, and it just made me smile. I mean, in, in some instances, it's, it's considered a STEM program. So um, it's a different world for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it it very well could draw a different student too, right? Yeah. And that's like when we talk about that, you know, that sixth grader right now and seeing that, you know, we, we've had we've had some discussions, I think even on the, the school one that you were, the Wrenchway Roundtable that you were on in January, um, one of the, the students that was on there, it was this student that was on there, you know, was talking about some of the draw of like seeing stuff on YouTube and seeing like, you know, there's, there's just so many different ways to get them, um, get in front of them, get them interested and get some really, really smart people out, you know, out and fill these schools up because I don't care what school it is as an industry, we should look at it as our responsibility to keep those things plugged full, you know, and that's other resources that we can, we can use to do that, I think are huge. Absolutely. And you're right. We are drawing a lot different candidates than we did before. Um, that was also a problem. I think that that hurt vocation is a vocation ended up being sort of a catch all for, for people who not only struggled with the normal ways of learning, but actually didn't want to do it. And you had, you know, you had disciplinary problem people and stuff like that. And I got to tell you, if you're not on your J, I mean, if you can't handle electronics and programming and interface and that sort of thing, this really isn't the industry for you anymore. Um, everything's getting a lot more complicated. And that is drawing some excitement from some of the candidates, though, that really are kind of, you know, turned on by that and, and are attracted to that. So that's kind of a nice thing as well. Well, and I think even for us, I mean, like we talk about how we we come to a student or a young person and and really our focus of this conversation is kind of turned to, you know, that getting more people into the industry. And I think what the exciting part for me is, is being able to say, you know, there for a while, I think that we went way, way heavy on the, uh, you're not going to get any dirt on you. And then like, I think <laughs> then they, they were surprised when they still had to do an oil change and they got dirt on them. But it truly is turning to that. I mean, it is, these shops now are, uh, and I've seen some of your, you know, I've seen a lot of your Wrenchway pages and the, how clean they are and how like, I mean, how professional they are. It looks more like a doctor's office than it does a, you know, an old school dirty shop, you know? Uh, you nailed some things there and, and there's, there's, there's a lot of reasons behind that, but um, my old boss, Ken Erland, who's now one of our directors of fixed operations over multiple stores, great guy, started as, as a student at, a, at one of the big vocational schools, became a technician, became a service manager, and is now uh, working directly with one of our group vice presidents with about, I think, 25 or 30 stores under his belt. Um, but Ken said this, and, and that's one of the things that I always try to preach too, is those technicians are doctors. They're our doctors. And if you really want to think about education, uh, you can actually put it towards what a, what a doctor does as well. 
They're going to do, you know, 12 years of primary school. They're going to do two to three years of post, you know, secondary at a vocational school. But really, it's going to take from that point to master level is sometimes five to seven years of more education. The beautiful part of that is Lithia pays for every bit of that, including their travel, including their expenses, their lodging, and they keep it's like their diploma. It's not doesn't belong to Lithia or any other dealership. It belongs to them, but they are the doctors. You know, they're the ones that diagnose. They're the ones that fix. Um, they're certainly um, the employee in our industry that, that we invest the most in, and they produce a lot for that. Um, another reason, though, for the clean shops is we have a much different customer now, okay? I remember back in the day, you'd see signs at the shop that said, you know, nobody but employees beyond this point due to insurance or whatever else. Well, that's not acceptable to customers anymore. They're a lot more informed. They're a lot more knowledgeable, and they want to get in there and talk. And when I was an advisor, I had a couple of my technicians that were uh, fairly articulate and and nice, which was sometimes rare thing for for technicians. Yeah. But I loved when the, they would talk to one of my customers. It would, it would help me to you know express what needed to be done and and be that liaison between the tech and the and the customer as a, as a service advisor. But you know technicians are called upon to have more face to face with a customer now. And you know some exciting things coming down the pike. Lithia's rolled out driveway. Um, which is basically all, you know, online interface with the customer. And, you know, we're following some of the others and doing that in sales to start, but uh, we're going to have that in service. Wow. So 30,000 foot view of that is the customer contact us, contact us through the website. Um, they have some, some brief interactions so we can get some information. We actually go out, pick up their vehicle, bring it to our shop. And at that point, a lot of that communication is coming from the tech, you know, the uh, the multi-point inspection, uh, video of what they're finding or pictures, and the the transaction is is completed online. We complete the the uh, the repairs or the maintenance, and we deliver the car back to them. So, you know, you, there's there's some huge things changing in our industry, and uh, I'm excited that uh, our company is actually you know kind of leading the charge on some of that too. So it, that makes it better for our technicians. It certainly brings in, you know, business and keeps the customers happy. I'm so excited about that. And, and the reason for that is I, I think it, it brings another element of a skill needed for, you know, for the you young technicians out there that are listening to this. And, and even some of you veteran technicians, when you look at the way that the industry is changing now, those soft skills in school aren't, such a mystery, right? And like when I was a tech or going to tech school, like, like why do I need to know that stuff? Like, I, I'm just gonna go work on cars. And, and, you know, when you sit down and start looking at those professional type skills that you need to build and how you represent yourself, and it's not just you back in a, in a dark bay anymore. This is, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're the star of the show now. And that's what, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've, I use the analogy a lot of technicians, like if, if you're, you know, a football fan, which you're a Seahawks fan. I don't know about that, but like, <laughs> but you know, you, you look at that and you've got the, of a football team, a general manager, a coach, and then your players, the techs are essentially your players. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the, when, when you look at it from that level, you, you truly are making that it's that paradigm shift to these guys are the superstars. Like this, these guys and girls are the superstars 
now like it, it, it's not like an, a future thing like they're they're the center of attention right now yeah and and you made some good points there what one is females in the industry you know we've done a horrible job um through vocation in attracting females to, to look into it um and now they're they're kind of getting on board um i'll have you know you know two of my uh, recruiters now are female that went to vocational school one became a, an actual Mercedes-Benz technician, and one was actually a body collision technician. And I'm thrilled to have them. And they get just overjoyed when they find a female candidate. And I think it's relatable. I think, I think they, can, they can actually you know, talk in depth about what it took and what it's about. I think the industry is getting better. I, I think we have a long way to go, but I think we're, we're certainly doing our best to, to roll out the red carpet and, and, and to assist them in, you know, finding a way to get in this industry and to succeed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there are players, they have more interaction with the customer now. Um, soft skills is another passion of mine and some of the schools um, I volunteer to assist with that because um, if, if any of you young techs are here are listening to me out there, don't sell yourself short on your yes. resume and please, you know, take advantage of all the, all the things that your school has to offer. I mean, they will, they will help you with your resume. They will teach you resumes, but I always get amazed when I am interviewing a candidate and they have three jobs down and they're, they're all fast food or, retail and nothing wrong with that. But then when I get into the interview, I find out that, you know, they and their friends are, are doing repairs. They're doing me. I said, why isn't that on here? Why isn't that on this resume? I mean, some service managers will do a quick glance of the resume and just think, well, there's no experience here, you know? So don't sell yourself short anything to do with the industry. Make sure you have that on your resume, even if it's not a paid job. How, so you see a lot of resumes just like we do. Right. And one of the things that, this is kind of twofold too, right? Like I think it's part on the candidate, part on the shop, but we put so much value in that piece of paper a a lot of times where it's just a quick glance. Yeah, this isn't, and I was guilty of it, right? Like when I was hiring Mm -hmm. texts directly for myself, I'd say, Hey, you know, this is, this person's just not going to work. And then when I got in the habit of just calling more of them and it just turned out a lot of them were just really bad at doing resumes and, if they would have been able to express themselves the right way or be able to, to articulate what the, what it is that they, what their experience was, they could have gotten themselves miles ahead. Is that, I mean, do you see anything similar? I think everything you said is, is totally correct. But I, but I do think that, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the, the onus of that does fall on the candidate. And yeah. so if, if you are struggling with that, if you do have trouble with that, if you're at a vocational school, They've got a staff that will help you. What I'm saying is just write down notes of everything that you've done that you would like to tell a service manager, because in the end, especially if you're going to a school far away from, from that um, targeted, you know, place of employment, that manager is going to, the first thing they're going to see is that resume, right? So, so put everything on that resume that, yeah, that will invite that manager to reach out and, and dig deeper. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I've, I've had quite a few candidates that I've actually told after our interview, Hey, first thing, throw this resume away and, and <laughs> make the resume, make the resume say what you just told me, you know, and, and, and I think that helped would help a lot, but, uh, it is still important to, to have that stuff in a, in a good form so that somebody could look at it, you know, in a quick, 
quick look. Yeah, we um, more so on the finder wrench side will help techs with resumes and even like early days finder wrench when I was like in my basement alone, I would get a resume and like look at it and say, oh my goodness, no, like why don't just put some level of effort into this. <laughs> and yeah. so, so I would coach them through how to do their resume and some of the little stuff that you, like, I think we all take for granted is, you know, if they hop on and they don't have a current version of Microsoft Word or something like that, it becomes, you know, those little things become a struggle. And so by the time they even get to that point, then they're not even going to apply for your job because they're, you know, just putting a resume together when everything's working great isn't the most fun thing in the world. And then when you throw right. a bunch of obstacles in there, I, I think that's where people get kind of distraught and, and um, I don't know, a little taken back. What Off of that, like, what do you think the future of resumes are? Like, do you think it's just something that's going to be there all the time? Uh, I'm a tough person to ask that through. I, I admit that I am pretty old school. I, I'm sure it will go away and I'm sure that there will be a new form. Um, but, you know, just that, that whole waiting game between the time a candidate is presented to a, a hiring manager and the time that, you know, they're able to connect and, and it's, you know, it's a roll of the dice. Uh, you go into a service manager's desk in the mo- very early morning and it might be clean as a whistle and you go back in there at two 30 in the afternoon and there's stacks of paper and there's That's on the things bottom. on, there's things on fire. Uh, you know, it, you, it's tough. It's tough to get everything to be done in a timely manager. And I will say this, and I've, I've told so many people this, the hardest part about my, my job and the hardest part about my recruiter's job and all of our recruiter's jobs is that technician candidates have an incredibly short shelf life. And, and if we don't get them acted on quickly and we don't get some sort of good vibe going or some sort of dialogue going, there's a thousand other employers looking for that same candidate. And it's, it's incredibly easy to lose them. And that's another part of my job is, you know, working with our hiring managers and our recruiters to make sure that we're doing things in a timely manner. And we, and that we keep on it and we keep following up with that candidate. You know, when you get to the younger candidates, the, the, the guys and gals that are in vocational school, and some of them just got out of high school and got into that. Sometimes communication isn't their strength and, you know, and follow through isn't their strength. And that's another thing that we have to really kind of, you know, be the champion of it and reach out to them and stay with them because, we don't know what's going on with them. And if, if they're not communicating with us, maybe they, they've started talking to, you know, down the road motors. And by the time I get back to them, they've already signed a contract or whatever else. So, you know, communication is, is, is definitely a key on, on recruiting and, and staying with a technician, technician but, candidate. And I, I think you hit on something there in general, and now we're kind of graduating past just that entry level tech, but to like any tech And that's one of the key frustrations we hear from the technician side is how long it takes to hear back. And I think, you know, and this is, we've all been there where like your service manager that you talked about that the resume, the resume gets put on the bottom of the pile. The the paradigm shift I think we need as an industry is to say, that's not just a piece of paper. That's somebody's life. Like that's absolutely, that is like somebody's waiting to understand like what their next move is going to be. And, and somebody like Alithia where you've got all the resources, you've got just incredible places to work at. You want to get that out in front of them as fast as possible. Right. And we, and we do that electronically a lot. I mean, I, you know, I, 
sometimes the desk analogy also is just sort of that's their workload, you know, and, and but yeah, you're right. It can get, <laughs> but every, every email I send is going to have a copy of that resume. Um, we certainly have a, a very powerful um, uh, candidate uh, tracking system in Workday, which is a very powerful product. And, yeah. and so everything's accessible at their fingertips that way they get updates, not only on their email, but on their phone, for all of that. So, I mean, we, we do have a good communication process in, in that for sure. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a quick dance. You got to be, you know, on your toes and keeping track of everything you've got going on and, and staying in contact with those candidates to keep them alive, you know, and, and ready to go. Well, and I, I think, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, that's where that importance of getting more people into the industry is, is huge because mm-hmm. not only is it overwhelming for that service manager, that service director, fixed ops director, uh, or recruiting director, whoever it is, it's also overwhelming for that candidate too, right? To, yeah, like, absolutely. To, when you start going through and, you know, you're trying to evaluate your options and trying to, you know, they're trying to find a fit as well. And not only just financially, and that's, you know, going back to our conversation about the school thing again, that's one thing I, you hit on that I thought was just awesome when you're talking about the the doctor piece and, and these are our car doctors. I remember when I was going to tech school, uh, the instructor jokingly, of course, said, you know, I think we actually have a tougher job than doctors. And we're like, <laughs> and, and he goes, well, hear me out. He goes, they've got one body style to uh, to try and diagnose. We've got everybody style to try and diagnose and a yeah. bunch of different tools to diagnose yeah. them. So yeah. um, it, it, he said it, of course, jokingly, but like it, sure it, there is some level of that and, and just trying to, I, I love that analogy that you had. And then the other piece to that was when we talked to, when we talked to students coming out, one of the things that I'm, when I talk to young people, I talk to a lot of high school classes, a lot of tech school classes myself um, and one of the things I, I try to say is, listen, you may not be in a four-year school, but you're in a four-year school. It's just that half of your school is going to be in a shop and yep. you're lucky that you're getting paid rather than paying in. But when you, when you take that first job out of school, don't, it, this is my big advice for a young person is when you come out of school, don't just look at the money. I think that's, that's a, a key element that's it, which you know, a dollar an hour can mean a, a big, it's a big difference when you're that young. And I think to me, it's a mistake not, you know, when you're in that initial piece of your career, try to find something that's a fit for you and that you're going to have a good mentorship and a good leadership team to, uh, to walk into because our industry and George Aarons, who was on that, that round table with you says, uh, you know, our industry is better at eating young people uh, than any other eating- industry out there. Yeah, eating our young. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's, you know, that's definitely been something that this industry's done to itself. Um, it's certainly something that we're trying to fix and that we're yeah. looking at new ways to do it. And then, you know, and then going beyond the entry level into, into the uh, the season techs out there that we're certainly hunting for all over the, the country as well. You know, it, it's it's you have to look at outside the box and how to reach these people. Right. So, so we're doing lots of things on social media. 
uh, we're stalking people more or less. I mean, we're, we're finding groups and we're, we're, we're able to kind of figure out where they are and, and, and reach out to them. Um, we're certainly using Wrenchway, which has been an exciting new way for us to have that Zillow for techs where we, you know, we can really showcase each shop and, and, you know, and some, some technicians are shy and some technicians are actually working at another company and they don't want to be found out. So anything you can do to help them gather some information where they're not going to be watched or, or, or seen in enemy territory. Yeah. Um, that certainly helps us. And then using, you know, using those links is, is phenomenal and using those in social media and everywhere. I've been amazed at LinkedIn and at how many technicians are on LinkedIn now. Yeah. And I've been using different ways to, to reach out and talk to them. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a 24 seven job. Um, you know, it, you should always be have some sort of passive recruiting going on. And then when, when on the weekend hours, do whatever you can to be actively recruiting. And, and we're offering some things to these technicians to, to lure them, to have them come looking. And, you know, one is obviously stability. We've been around since 1946. We're the third largest group in the United States and growing. That's, that's kind of an exciting thing. And yeah. we have work, we have work in all of our shops. And, and what people need to realize is that the dealership goes to great expense to acquire customers for those technicians, you know, they don't have to do that. Uh, mom and pa shops have to do a lot on their own and that's tough. We've got departments that do that. And we've got, you know, we've got um, an established name and a history. Um, somebody a long time ago said this, I certainly didn't coin it, but I like the phrase, you know, sales sells the first car service sells every car after that. And, and that's, that's a big part of what we do. So, um, even general managers, if, if general general managers in this industry today are not well versed in fixed operations, they will not be general managers for long. And I remember not so long ago when I was teaching advisors, when general managers in some areas thought service was, you know, a, a necessary evil and, and kicked it to the curb. We have we have stores where some of our fixed operations departments are absorbing over a hundred percent of the cost. You know, I mean that's a big deal. So. You know, going after those those season techs, um, we offer things like stock, you know, st- employee stock purchase programs, um, a, a very lucrative PTO program, um, flexible scheduling. Um, a lot of our stores are doing three 13s now. Wow. I mean, think about that. A tech in some cases can work for three long days and have four days off, you know, and that's, that's we have to do it. We, we have to figure out a way instead of, you know, with some of these these technicians that are just jumping from sign-on bonus to sign-on bonus, you know, it, we, we've got to figure out a way to, to make it to a place where they want to call home and stay. And, and that's something that we're working diligently on every day to, to figure out what it is that, you know, we can do to help them feel supported, obviously help them feel, feel well compensated and, and, and want to, like, get to the end. And, and if I can just one more point, yeah. they're all kind of coming in. You know, it's, it's being smart enough to know that, you know, Tom or, or Jennifer have been phenomenal techs forever. There's more in that brain than we'll ever be able to figure. So what's the next step? You know, can we can we make that person a shop foreman that's a teaching tech? Can we do them? We're, we're figuring these things out, different pay plans that, that actually keep them well compensated, even if maybe they're not producing the work. But what they're doing is they're growing that next tech in line. That's, that's ROI. You'll get ROI on that. I think you are 100% spot on there. I I think career pathing for technicians is going to be huge as we move forward and understanding that 
you know, just because you're working in a Bay right now, and maybe if, if it's not your favorite thing in the world, which there are a lot of techs that, you know what, they're just damn good at diagnosing things and they're, ha they're perfectly happy doing that. They can make one heck of a living, uh, for a long, long time and not beat their body up as much as what, you know, what prior techs had to go through. Uh, but I think even then having that conversation with a tech and, and understanding, Hey, what are your goals and aspirations? You know, I think there's, there's a lot of shops. I think that if they sat down and asked their techs that they, the techs would kind of take a step back and be like, Whoa, like this, nobody's ever asked me that before, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we, we got to continue improving communication. Um, we certainly have to continue um, at clear cut career paths and keeping both parties online on that, you know, keep it, keeping the technician following that correct path, but keeping also the service manager online and, and having communications as to where they are and where they're going and how they're, how they're progressing on that path. And then, you know, like you, you, we talked about, you know, what, what's the end of that path look like? Cause there's, there's a lot of technicians where there's still a lot of good years that they would like to be a part of, but maybe it's not, heavy line anymore. Maybe it's, um, it's a mentoring tech that, that helps with diagnostics and, and double checks diagnostics. And a lot of our shops are using them that way. And they, they get into more of a, a mentoring and management position, but they're the, they're the guys and the gals that are, they're leading from, you know, from the fight, they're still in the shop and they're still there or they're dispatching. You know, there's, there's so many ways that you can continually use that knowledge and then hopefully share it and hopefully, yes. you know, plant those seeds to grow in, in future technicians as well. I, I love all of this. I think this is, this is so incredibly spot on. And I think it's human nature for you want for you to hear your voice heard. Right. And I think that's why sure. social media became such a big deal is because people all of a sudden <laughs> felt like they, they, they could have their voice heard. Yeah. Good or not. But like, like it's, it is something where, um, when, when you're sitting down and, and just understand that for you managers that are listening to this is that sit down, have a conversation like a normal human being with, with this, with a tech or anybody else that works for you and, and understand, you know, them as a person. And I think you find out a lot. I think you find out what motivates them. I think you find out, you know, what they value in an employer and, uh, granted, I don't think you're going to be all things to everybody, but that's where finding that fit and that that right person for your shop is so so important absolutely and it, and keep that communication going throughout the career you know not just in the beginning because <laughs> then if you don't have communication until near the end it's usually too late you know yes. uh, one of the things that prevents you know a lot of employees from leaving is good communication with their manager and and you know not everything is rewarded with in monetary means. And certainly that's a huge part of what we do, but, you know, give the attaboys and, and give the thanks and, and continue that throughout their career so that they won't want to go anywhere else. You know, right. that's, that's something that we've got to work on as an industry for sure. Well, I, uh, I think we're, we're uh, getting close to our time here, but uh, any last words you want to, I guess, say whether it's regarding lithia or, uh, the industry in general, I, I kind of open uh, up, uh, open up the floor for you. I'm, I'm, I'm just really um, thrilled and proud to be part of this industry. Um, I, I, I just, like I said, it, it's very rewarding to, to help people that have been forgotten and maybe looked down upon 
get into a career that suits them, that fits them, and they wind up in a six-figure income. And that's, like I said, again, that's that's not uncommon. That's actually the norm for a master-level tech and a good producing shop. Um, I'm also very proud of my company. Uh, we've come a long way. We've we've weathered a lot of storms. We've figured out a way of running our business and, and the fact that we're much more nimble than people might think with us being the size we are. And that's all in giving that ownership to our, to our local management and letting them steer the ship from a thousand different directions rather than one. Um, we've, we've been able to, to work on, you know, great incentives for, for technicians as far as scheduling and, and different ways to reward them. And, and I'm happy to be a part of that and happy to be training with that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm one of those people that can actually say, I love my job. I absolutely do love my job. Um, I love the fact that, um, I'm growing a team now and we'll have some more people out there kind of getting that, that, that message out there and hunting and finding some, some people and getting them in their careers. And so um, I'm also happy to work with my competitors and with other people in this industry. So certainly if, if you have questions or want to collaborate, I, I love it. I think it's incredibly important for the future of our industry as a whole that we do work together on some of these things and we don't work against each other on, on all of them. So I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more with everything you just said there. I, it, it's cool to see that. And although your Seahawks are the, <laughs> the the reason for some of these gray hairs now, and still still the reason for the most heartbreaking loss I've ever seen to my Packers, <laughs> two of them. I'm not, we, pro- I'm not proud of that call. I want to well, put that on the record. I'm not proud of that call. Not only not only fail Mary, but then the the other uh, the playoff game in the NFC Championship game, we were we were looking at booking our Super Bowl tickets. Like we were we were gonna fly to wherever the Super Bowl was that year, and then all of a sudden we fumble a kickoff. We do all this other like everything just went wrong within like a five minute span, and it was uh, no more. It's four quarters. There's four quarters in every game. You got to play like that. And I want to uh, do a little addendum here on my Seahawk <laughs> fandom. I've been a fan since 1976. You went through some rough yes, times. <laughs> and yes, we do have a lot of bandwagon fans that have that have made it tough to be a Seahawks fan at times. But uh, I, I'm Jim Zorn. I'm, I'm uh, Steve Largent. Uh, I'm back in those days. So so before I get the hate mail, uh, I, stay, I stuck with them through a lot of dark days. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I love everything that you do and uh, and am uh, – really happy to call you a friend. And, and I, I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I, I you know, I, you're just, uh, you're a really, really good person and really good for this industry. And uh, if, for those of you listening, I would encourage you to reach out to him because he's, he's just, uh, he's, he's an outstanding person that we need, we need more of that type of people in the industry. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I, I so appreciate it, Jay. Thanks for the opportunity. And it's been a, a pleasure working with you these past few months. I look forward to many more. All right. Take care. Take care.